So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome. Today, the title is More True Than Ever. We're going to hear from a superstar who's just retired last week from a 20-year cricket career, which saw him reach number one in the world rankings and stay there for five years. Now, I know we've got listeners in every corner of the globe, so please don't worry if you don't understand cricket. Neither do I, to be honest. This isn't about cricket. These are insights into the mindset of an incredible sportsman, but also a wonderful human being. And we're all going to learn from his experiences. Here's a quick delivery of what's ahead. When I got to about 18, I almost hated it because it was just like everything I was doing was cricket. And I loved playing cricket, but I was giving away my, my free time to, to do that or my own personal time. I was pretty aggressive, I guess. You know, I was just I wanted to be in people's faces. It was what I'd seen on TV. When I go back into the hotel room and I'm by myself, I have to deal with myself and my mind. That's where I find myself alone. You, you start off building a house one brick at a time. You know, you, you run a marathon one step at a time. I guess it's the next challenge that lies right in front of you that matters most. Over the years, your mind starts to, your mind becomes the biggest actual um, enemy. I've always known that, like, I'm, I may be ranked the number one bowler, but there might be a time when currently there's somebody else that I know is much better than me. They, they are performing at their very best. And looking forward to how it grows from beyond in the future because it's, it's not mine. It's, it's always going to be there. I'm going to come and go and the next players will take over it. But it's just great to see that, it's, that we're actually playing for something all together now. I know you're really going to connect with Dale's insights. He's so down to earth. And before we dive in, I just wanted to thank you for listening and for rating and reviewing and sharing the show. This started off about 18 months ago as a creative way to channel my frustrations at the start of lockdown, and it's taken on a whole new life of its own, and that's all down to you, so a massive thank you. I'd love to make this show different to all the other podcasts around, and I take the position as your personal coach, So I'd love to create that content that's going to make a difference in your life, in your career. But to do that, I'd love to get some of your questions through. So if you could email me either a written question or send a voice note through to hello at sportingedge.com with a simple question around mindset, around leadership or around team development, then I'll feature that question with some 
expert insights from our library in an upcoming show and I'll be able to answer that for you. So please do send them through to hello at sportingedge.com. Also, just a quick reminder that all our video interviews and coaching frameworks have been curated into a digital coaching experience that is unlike anything else you'll see. You can learn from strategists, neuroscientists, communication experts and global sports stars 24-7 on any device. Just visit sportingedge.com forward slash membership and you can start your free membership using the special code for podcast listeners, podcast 100. We're already supporting loads of aspiring and senior leaders in businesses. So you'll be joining a great community of people who all have that growth mindset and we'd love to see you inside. So today's champion, Dale Stain, comes from Palabora, which is a mining district on the edge of the Kruger National Park in the north of South Africa. A really harsh physical terrain that would play its part in shaping this mentally and physically tough athlete. I was so privileged at the end of my playing career to join the Pro Tiers, the South African cricket team, as one of their support staff working on the coaching and the psychology side of their performance. And I absolutely loved sitting down in the team room with Dale, Mornay Morkel and Graham Smith, some of the other key players, and hearing their stories of off-season adventures out in the bush, places like the Kruger National Park. They paint these vivid pictures of tracking elephants or seeing a leopard with a kill late at night. And I love going on safari. So this was the perfect topic for me. And it was just amazing to hear Dale talk through these experiences of growing up in this area, not just going on a holiday there. And he always seemed to be able to raise the stakes. I remember him telling us a story about once being chased home from school by a deadly snake that was sort of hovering about a metre high, winding and hissing up behind him on the main road. It's a good job he's got fast twitch muscle fibres to be able to evade that. But away from these deadly schoolboy chases, I'm often fascinated by how our elite performers get into their sport and find this niche where they can really thrive. And Dale's story could have happened at any time, in any town, in any country. I had some of my cousins come down and visit us over Christmas period. And they were all good sportsmen and they brought down their career equipment. And um, my one cousin was knocking in a bat, didn't know what he was doing. And uh, he showed me and we went into the backyard, started playing over Christmas. And then January went back to school and just actually noticed it now, you know, noticed that the other kids were actually playing cricket and then kind of just joined in and then from there just snowballed you know everything around me was cricket like I turned on the TV and there was actually cricket on TV it was uh, it was becoming more and more um, I was becoming more and more aware that it was always around me but I just needed that little break where somebody showed me what it was about and and I grew this love for it and then it just uh, it's always been a part of me since then so what is that I was about nine then so yeah it's been around me for a long time. So if Dale's cousin hadn't visited that Christmas, we may never have seen his magic. I hope that's inspirational for you if you're a parent listening, to give your kids loads of opportunities to try different things at this early age. Who knows where their curiosity and the passion might be sparked. So the more collisions and experiences that we can put in front of them, the more chance they've got of finding their passion and skills. Also, 
those sports sponsors and administrators listening, this is a great story of contagion and how grassroots initiatives spread best. We've got a trusted family member or a mate coming to stay and they're influencing each other to go and have some fun and get started. Then after that first spark flies, everywhere the young performer looks, they can see more evidence that this is fun and there are more communities and more groups playing like an advertising campaign right before their eyes. And then all of a sudden they've played for a season or two and they're hooked on that uh, pathway to excellence. So how did Dale convert this break time hobby at school into a potential career? His teenage years would be pivotal in this step up and we get to learn a key attribute of one of the high performers, as he now explains. I don't come from a wealthy background, so, you know, everyone's kind of scrambling money together to get me into an, to a good school uh, where cricketers played um, uh, more regularly, um, get me good coaching, uh, get me try and get me a car so I can get back and forth. I, I grew up in Pelabora, and I'm talking about going to Pretoria. This is 500 k's away, so it's like a five-hour trip every time I want to go and play. So those are the small setbacks. Every weekend, um, sacrificing my weekends and going and playing cricket uh, Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, it was amazing. I, pr- I pretty much hated it. Actually, when I got into when I got to about 18, I almost hated it because it was just like everything I was doing was cricket. And I loved playing cricket, but I was giving away my, my free time to, to do that or my own personal time because um, I was also a boarder. I was a hostel boy. But it just got to a point where I, I loved it and I knew this is what I wanted to become. And once I found that professional circuit uh, up at the Titans in Pretoria, uh, I joined a professional cricket side there, first class team. And um, things just took off from there. That's where it all kind of started for me. So let's just revisit that distance. 500 kilometres or at least a five hour drive each way to get to a game. Five hours. Now, firstly, that shows huge determination, sacrifice and commitment, even to get to the game each week. There's no excuses there. I know some people who'd struggle to walk five minutes to the training ground, let alone drive for five hours. That's amazing. You can say that Dale's talented. Of course we can. But he's also incredibly driven. And he had this well before He was able to express his talent. So if there's one thing we're looking for in our talent ID, it's that inner drive to sacrifice more than anyone else is prepared to. And the second thing I love about that story is you can imagine how pissed off he'd be driving in that heat with no air conditioning for five hours to get to the ground. No surprise that he became such a fast bowler and one of the most aggressive bowlers the game has ever known. Now, to bowl fast, you need so much fire in your belly. Bowling fast when your team needs it in those hot conditions that are unfavourable can make every part of your body scream. But the fast bowlers just keep coming back and back to help their team out. Having seen plenty of fast bowlers tending to their feet during a five day test match in a long test series, it's a cross between a ballerina taking off the foot bindings and point shoes and a Tour de France cyclist with their battered legs after a long endurance hill climb. The workload is relentless and you need to find something inside yourself to get through it. 
and finding that right balance between that inner drive and inner fire and that cool strategic thinking is a really tough skill to master. And as Dale now explains, it only really comes with experience. Yeah, in the beginning I was very, I was very, uh, what is the word to come up with here? I was pretty aggressive, I guess, you know, I was just, I wanted to be in people's faces. It was what I'd seen on TV. It was everything that I'd watched and, and learned, but I hadn't experienced it for myself. So I wanted to be loud. I was kissing the badge. I was, you know, I was out there, you know, making all the mistakes that every small, young junior cricketer makes, um, stepping into the professional career. I guess everyone does it in business and life. And as I grew older and became more, I guess, professional or became more experienced, started to realize that I could play it better. I could use it more as a, um, as an act almost, you know, I didn't need to be entirely aggressive. I just needed to act it out um, so my opposition could fear that kind of kind of space. I'd, so not all the time was I aggressive, but it was the great thing to play. It was, it, I still do it now, you know, um, fast bowlers and that's what I am. I'm a fast bowler. I'm there to, to firstly scare people and take wickets, but people fear for their life when they're facing a fast bowler. So you kind of have to play that part. Um, some days you wake up and your body's really sore and you're not going to be able to bowl fast, but you still have to go out there and you have to show that aggression, show that that you're up for the challenge, even though you're not feeling it inside. People still become aware of it when they see your actions and your body language and the way that you are. So through my years, I, I like figured out a way to be able to master that. In the beginning, I was um, it was all just aggression and everything. I almost wore myself out and people could see straight through it and, and knew that I was going to blow out at some time. And then through the years, you learn to just hold it in a little bit, hold it in, and then use it when you really need it to. I was so lucky to work with Dale as he was coming into his pomp. I joined the Pro Tiers backroom team in 2008, and later that year, he was named ICC Test Cricketer of the Year. And he also became the number one bowler in the ICC World Test Rankings for a breathtaking 263 weeks between 2008 and 2014. There was certainly nothing that I could teach Dale about fast bowling. After all, I was the slowest bowler in world cricket and his mechanics were absolutely brilliant. But he was fascinated about trying different techniques around his mindset and retaining his emotional control. I think he'd grown up in an era where it was seen that you'd got to be fired up all the times and in, in the batsman's face and on full on aggression. But that's just not sustainable. So learning how to dial up and dial down your aggression is the key. And there's two types of techniques. One where you're trying to get yourself up when your body refuses to listen, where you need more aggression. And the other times when you need to be able to refocus and calm yourself down when that red mist of competition starts to rise. This is easier said than done and easier done on a yoga mat than in the middle of a you know, tense duel in the pack stadium. But Dale definitely mastered this skill. The other group of athletes that I've seen explore these techniques are the forwards in the rugby scrum, especially the front row. They have to be at a ferocious level of intensity to perform, but they also can't lose their heads at the point where they start giving away penalties. So it's like being in a moderate temper for an hour or so, simmering, but not boiling over. It's so easy to jump forward to wanting to win so badly, wanting to dominate, wanting to humiliate your opponent. 
But it's important to manage the process moment by moment because that's what helps you to stay in control. And ultimately, by winning these moments, you can win the battle, as Dale now explains. You, you start off building a house one brick at a time. You know, you, you run a marathon one step at a time. I guess it's the next challenge that lies right in front of you that matters most. You know, you have to handle that next step. You have to handle that next brick with its challenges that it comes. And that is the only thing that you can worry about. And once you conquer that, you're allowed to move on to the next step, the next brick, the next delivery, whatever it is that you're doing. You kind of have to just deal with what is right in front of you right now. And the best way to do that is just to go back to what you believe in, what you've trained, what you've practiced over and over again, back that you know how to do it, back that you have put in the practice in the yards that you are going to execute that skill 100% and then you just got to go with it. So great fast bowlers use their thinking, habits and mannerisms between balls to maintain their emotional levels. The crowd may be booing, the batsman may be dominating, but the one thing that matters is balancing that review of what just happened in the last ball so that you don't let that emotion contaminate the next one. And then we start to set up for the next ball rationally about what's the strategy that's helping me to win the next ball, win the next moment. And it's at that point that you then, when you're clear and focused, you let a little bit of that adrenaline in to give you the fire to execute on full power. So even someone as prolific as Dale Stain struggles sometimes with self-doubt and distractions and getting a bit tangled up when things aren't going quite to plan. So I was really interested in his techniques for retaining his belief in times when he was really tested. Yeah, I guess your mind is never crystal clear, to be honest with you. You're only human at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, how do you deal with that? I guess if if you surround yourself with people that are performing at the highest level all the time, you tend to find that your performances will also go up. Uh, Fortunate enough that I play in a a team that's got some of the best players in the world and I'm able to see how they go about their business day to day and it does raise my game. But when I go back into the hotel room and I'm by myself, I have to deal with myself and my mind. That's where I find myself alone and um, you you need to understand or, or find speak to someone that can help you just kind of clear those things out of your mind to to know that when you step back onto the field when you step back into the office you're able to perform at your at your very best i have found that people always reassure me about that i've done it a thousand times before i've performed at the highest level um so many times before and they're always reminding me of those times when i've performed at my very best and uh never telling me about the ones when i'm when I perform badly <laughs> and I think that that keeps me going it keeps me going and it uh, it reminds me that I'm I'm able to to perform at this level I'm able to stand up at this at the top of my mark and run in and actually put in a, bu- a good performance because I've done it before um, if you haven't done it before it's that's where the learning comes in luckily I've had 10 years of experience so I've got 10 years of experience to fall back on but in the beginning it's, it's also a great journey because you're almost not thinking as a youngster you're just thinking see ball hit ball or bowl ball as fast as you can and over the years your mind starts to your mind becomes the biggest actual um, enemy or, or uh, thing that you have to play against you know it's not so much the opposition anymore it's almost that 
that mental thing. So you don't have to worry about the beginning too much. It's, it's nearing the end and in the middle. But yeah, um, just having good people around me, being able to help me with simple things about how to think, how to relax, um, remind me of the good times. And I've always been one of those players that likes to just go out there and face the battle that lies in front of me. Um, I'm a pretty confident guy. And uh, like I said, I've done it many times before and uh, I use those experiences to try and push on and do it many times again. So there's a few great lines in there. I love the line, your own mindset becomes your biggest enemy. And when I'm in my hotel room on tour, that's when I find myself alone. This just shows someone who's been at the very top for a very long time, experiencing real low periods and soul searching. This is all part of the journey. All of those periods of deep introspection can bolster our resolve and lead to periods of growth. It's almost like the adversity is forcing us to reinvent ourselves. He also contrasts how at the beginning and the end of your career, it becomes relatively simple. But in the middle, you can overthink it. You've achieved something and you start to build up that profile but there's stuff to lose now. We can lose our reputation. We can lose our profile. And that's where we maybe have more questions than answers. So you can get into a bit of a tangle in the middle of your career. So having good people, coaches and friends around you is absolutely key because we need other people sometimes to unravel the mess that we get ourselves in. I think it was Albert Einstein that said that a problem cannot be solved by the same thinking that created it. So that's where great coaches and trusted advisors come in to help you simplify the process and reconnect you in the, with those brilliant basics whenever you doubt yourself. So taking input from others is great, but ultimately as any performer in business or sport, you're the one who's in charge and you're the one who needs to execute your skills under pressure. Dale now explains how he avoids getting lost in other people's opinions and how he converts feedback into mini experiments that he can test and learn from to enhance his game. I think it's massive to just take that self-responsibility. Um, I get a lot of information coming in from loads of different people, everyone texting, coaches, um, everyone also kind of wants to be a part of your success somewhere along the line, you know? So they want to give you advice and if you do well, they want to be able to say that they told you so. I think it's very important that you take in the information, but you use what works for you. You can listen to everything you want, but at the end of the day, everybody's different and you kind of have to just identify what sticks with you and what's going to work with you and that's what you've got to run with. Uh, a lot of the time, um, you just have to trust your own instincts and your own beliefs because it's you who has to execute that skill. It's obviously great to get some advice from experienced people here and there, but it might not work. What, what worked for them might not work for you. you. You just have to kind of take little bits out of everything that everybody says and you have to work what you need um, into your own game or into your own life. That's uh, kind of how I've done it over the years and I've simplified things for myself and I find that um, I don't need a lot of advice going forward. I just need little basic tweaks here or there from people that I trust uh, to be able to change certain things when I, when I believe something's going wrong. Um, and it's just literally just a, a small tweak here, a small tweak there, and I'm back on the right track again. Uh, and that's just trusting my own, my own self again, taking that responsibility and knowing what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong. And um, when I'm doing something wrong, being able to tweak it, when I'm doing something right, being able to just manage it and stay on that same path. So 
get all the information you want, but at the end of the day, you need to listen to yourself. Um, take it all, all in, small bits at a time. Um, but what works for you might not work for somebody else. What works for somebody else might not work for you. So you just have to trust yourself. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll have heard me use the analogy of being the CEO of your own performance company. And this is Dale using that principle in action. He's not a perpetual opinion seeker or survey tool. He's a fast bowler that needs to shift quickly from researching and into action. I love that line that you need to trust yourself with what you feel is right and execute this 100%. This is so relevant for business at the moment. We could easily stall waiting in all the uncertainty. But to me, the leaders who are making bold moves and committing stand the best chance of moving forward as things stabilise again. So as we track the rising stars trajectory of Dale's career, he's reached the pinnacle of the number one in the world rankings. And I was intrigued at this point as he reflected to find out whether this became a confidence boost or a burden in his mind. Yeah, being ranked number one bird in the world is, it's got, I guess, two sides, you know. Um, one is it's great, it's great confidence. It's awesome to see the people come up and high five you and everyone's backing you and tweeting you and Instagramming you or telling you that you're the number one bowler in the world. And that's, that's fantastic. It does make me feel super, super human, you know, <laughs> in a small way. The other side is that I always know that that's just um, numbers. And to me, numbers, they mean a lot. Statistically, they, they definitely mean a lot. But uh, current form is what counts most for me. I, I've always known that, like, I'm, I may be ranked the number one bowler, but there might be a time when currently there's somebody else that I know is much better than me. They, they are performing at their very best. Uh, you call it a purple patch. They're playing in a purple patch and they are performing at their very best. And I know that's the standard right now. You know, I may be ranked number one in the world, but that guy is setting the standard right there. He, he's probably ranked 50, but he's the guy that's setting the standard. So um, again, it's great for the sponsors. It's great for the confidence, but reality does kick in somewhere where you just know that uh, somebody else might be performing better than you. It's very important to come up with new ideas all the time. I am a big, big believer in always trying to improve your game and always trying to change your game. You, you never want to become a side or a sportsman where people can decode what you are doing by bringing in new things into your game and, and able to execute them properly too and believe that you're able to execute them because if you keep doing things the same over and over again, people are just going to catch up. They're going to catch on and they're going to overtake you. You need to change up. I'm a big believer in that because uh, I've been beaten once before doing that and I didn't want to make the same mistake again. I always want to kind of be two steps ahead. So this is the guy who was at number one in the world rankings for 263 weeks and he was still looking at the best traits of his rivals and using them as motivation to keep him adapting and learning. Maybe it was Jimmy Anderson's swing or Brett Lee's bouncer or Mitchell Johnson's slower ball. This shows the humility and that constant drive to improve that never left him through his career. He never rested on his laurels. He was always learning and adapting and looking for best practice wherever he could find it and striving to deploy that in his own game. Seendale operate in the Pro Tiers unit that got to number one itself as the team in world rankings was a true privilege. 
and it remains one of the highlights of my coaching career. They didn't just have some of the world's best players like A.B. de Villiers, Graeme Smith and Jacques Callis, but they worked hard to redefine their purpose and culture, and this had a transformational effect, as Dale now explains. Yeah, well, I play in the Proteus cricket side, and I think we went through a period where we just, we were a bit lost and we didn't know how to, like, we didn't know what we stood for. We were just kind of like a team that we had been thrown together. Um, and we needed something to change. We needed to realize what we were playing for and who we, who we were and who, what we stood for as a cricket side. And uh, we went on this camp and we started to just break it up a little bit. And the outcome was that um, our, our cricket team is called the Proteas. And the amazing thing about the Protea is that it is the first flower to rejuvenate after fire. Um, it was a great thing that we brought into our cricket side because uh, whenever a new player steps into the side, we would light a candle and just have this flame and it would be the birth of a new protea that would step into the side. We created this, um, I guess I can't, remember, can't think of the word right now, but we created this thing about our side and um, this identity and we've run with it. Uh, it just started to like, really react with me myself. I actually got a bunch of proteas. For the first time, I knew what I was playing for now um, and what this team was actually about. And uh, we've, had, we've got a great campaign that we run now. It's on YouTube, it's Protea Fire. Um, it's just amazing how it's brought everybody into our side. I mean, the South African cricket team consists of so many different things. We've got different religions, we've got um, we've got white players, we've got black players, we've got Indian players, so many different cultures and how do we get this to all run and work together at the same time for the, for the same cause and that was by just understanding what we play for and everything. Um, it was a great project, it's, it's still running now um, and I'm, I'm very pleased to be a part of it uh, and looking forward to how it grows from beyond in the future because it's, it's not mine, it's, it's always going to be there, I'm going to come and go and the next players will take over it. Uh, but it's just great to see that, it's, that we're actually playing for something all together now and uh, the unity that's brought in the side. And as I said earlier, at one stage we were just a little bit lost and we didn't know what we were doing and we didn't know what we were playing for and I think we found the right path now. Well, just like every career, it must end. And Dale was a massive reason why that culture programme was such a success for the whole team. It's really interesting that I've been asked to work with a group of senior business leaders at the moment and they sound like they're excellent individual performers, but they're just missing something in terms of playing as a team. When we take the energy out of our team for our own success and glory, we think we're going to rise up, but actually the opposite is true. Ultimately, we get held back. But as Dale showed, being a brilliant individual technician who is also selfless and sacrifices for the team, you get way more back than you ever imagined was possible. Following this camp where we explored the protea as a symbol of the team, Dale got two massive proteas tattooed on his arm. He epitomises that high performance culture. He was resilient. He adapted year after year to all the different conditions and that the world's best performers threw at him. And that fire in his belly that came from driving thousands of kilometres every week just to compete made him a serious athlete, a lethal operator, but also a warm and selfless team man, which was 
underpinning his success for over a decade. So the least I could do is create this episode and dedicate it to his career. He called time on his career last week um, using his social media platform, stating, Today I retire from the game I love. It's been 20 years of training, matches, travel, wins, losses, strap feet, jet lag, joy and brotherhood. There are too many stories to tell, too many faces to thank. One of the most iconic cricketers of the last 20 years, legacy remains intact for the likes of Kagiso Rabada, the young Proteas quick bowler who follow in his footsteps. I'm sure he's learnt so much from Dale. And as Dale disappears into a simpler life, surfing, exploring the bush to watch the wildlife and chilling by a river catching massive fish, he can reflect on the fire that fueled his sensational career and take pride in the satisfaction that his achievements on the field will always burn bright. He took 439 wickets in 93 test matches at just over 22 average. But seeing him ravage the world's best players with fire in his eyes left an indelible mark on all of our memories. I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode and found it inspirational to hear a little bit more about Dale Stain's life and story. If you have, then please do share this episode and tag Dale in. His Instagram is Dale Stain and his Twitter is at DaleStain62. And don't forget, you can start your free membership of our digital coaching experience at sportingedge.com forward slash membership. Make sure you use podcast 100 as the discount code for that free month. And I promise you're going to enjoy it. There's no hidden trap or commitment. We've supported thousands of entrepreneurs, executives and coaches around the world with these high performance strategies. So just take that next step inside the members club. And I really look forward to welcoming you. So until next time, thanks so much to Dale Stain for a wonderfully entertaining career. Let's keep that fire within each of us burning brightly. And until next time, good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. 